invite you to take your Bibles, please, and turn to Romans chapter 3, will you please? Romans chapter 3. We are going to look at the five truths that have grown out of the Reformation. Reformation came from Martin Luther. Martin Luther, who was born on November 10th, 1483, and died on February 18th, 1546. He nailed the theses to the church door at Wittenberg. 95 of them, as he wanted to spark debate, and he wanted the church leaders to be able to understand that Scripture was foundational for the church and not tradition. Now, if you were to take a census of the most influential men in the last thousand years, and that's been done, Martin Luther is number three. Gutenberg with the printing press is number one. Number two is Christopher Columbus with the founding of the new year, new world. And then you have Martin Luther. David Mattis in his book, Desiring God, said this. On All Hallows Eve, October 31, 1517, the Roman church received the world's most remarkable trick or treater at its door though barely noticed at the time. When a lowly priest named Martin Luther approached the threshold of the Wittenberg branch in Germany and posted his 95 measly theses, they are not as impressive as you would expect. The coming of All Saints Day seemed like an excuse for sparring about the church's deplorable sanctioning of indulgences, and Luther was angling for some good-spirited debate. And so as he posted these 95 theses, four of which concerned the doctrine of repentance, 25 questions about the church's power and purgatory, 11 of them dealt with indulgences that could not guarantee salvation, 12 with other Christian works that were more important than indulgences of the day, 28 indulgence preaching versus gospel preaching, 10 dealt with the wealth of the church and prayers for the dead, and five, pointed out sharp difference between the indulgence, religion, and faith in Christ. Now, I want to stop right here and just say this. The Catholic Church of Luther's day and the Catholic Church of today were very different. Over the past 500 years, the Catholic Church has gone through its own reformation. Today, the Catholic Church is still dealing with some issues. And there are theological differences that we could address but it was the selling of indulgences for profit of the church and the study of the Word of God that prompted Lutheran's concern. And Lutheran's study of the Word of God came out of the passage that is before you, Romans chapter 3. I want to just read it for you this morning, and I want to begin with verse 19. And we're going to go down through verse 28, so you follow along in your text, please. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God has been made manifest from the, apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. 
For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because his, in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By the law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. That was Martin Luther's foundation for his 95 theses. Now, over the year, Martin Luther has given to us a lot of good theology. And I thought I would begin this morning just with some quotes from Martin Luther. Our religion, a religion that gives nothing, costs nothing, suffers nothing, is worth nothing. We need to hear the gospel every day because we forget every day to be a christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing there are some things about god that are more to be adored than pondered now martin luther was a good german and not all of his quotes are quite as quotable but i thought this one was interesting whoever drinks beer is quick to sleep Whoever sleeps long does not sin. Whoever does not sin enters heaven. Thus, let us drink beer. <laughs> Martin Luther wrote over 40 hymns and believed that music was great theology for the church. He said this, I have no use for cranks who despise music because it is a gift of God. Music drives away the devil and makes people joyful. They forget thereby all wrath, unchastity, arrogance, and the like. Next after theology, I give to music the highest place and greatest honor. The hymn that you and I understand and remember as a mighty fortress is our God. Now I said this morning that there are five truths that we are going to look at. Five truths that have emerged to provide the foundation of our faith. Now before I talk about that, maybe I ought to define a word. A word that I used earlier and that is the word indulgence. In the Catholic Church 500 years ago, they were selling the opportunity for you to buy a loved one's time out of purgatory. That's what the Catholic Church believed. In fact, what they said, if I can find it here in my notes, as soon as a coin in the coffer rings, a soul from purgatory springs. 
And what the church was doing with those indulgences is they were taking them to underline the finances of the church, whether it was building or whether it was priests or whether it was profit that the church had. So that's the word indulgence. Now, let me give to you these five pillars of truth very quickly this morning. The first pillar of truth is Scripture. Scripture alone is our foundation. The second pillar of truth is grace. Grace alone. The third pillar, faith alone. The fourth pillar, Christ alone. And the fifth pillar is for the glory of God alone. So those are the five truths that we're going to look at this morning. And as I said, we are going to intermingle them with songs and scripture. And I just trust that this gives to us a a foundation for our faith as we recognize the wonder of what God has given to us in the security of his son, Jesus Christ. First pillar, scripture. Peter? 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction in righteousness. For what is right, doctrine. For reproof, what is not right. For correction, how to get right. And for a foundation, how to stay right in our lives. Martin Luther taught us that God's word is the final authority in matters of faith and practice. It is not the church's tradition. It is not religious authority. According to medieval religious leaders, there were two sources of truth. One was the word of God. But right beside that source of truth was church tradition. If it wasn't specifically stated in Scripture, there had to be a church tradition that explained it. If it wasn't specifically explained in Scripture, there had to be a church tradition. If it was not beneficial to religious leaders, it was a church tradition. I have in my library a book that if you've not read, I would encourage you to read. It is not a new volume. This is an old book. It's entitled The Battle for the Bible. And Linzel in his preface says this, I regard the subject of this book, Biblical Inerrancy, to be the most important theological topic of this age. A great battle rages about it among people called evangelicals. I did not start the battle and wish it were not essential to discuss it. The only way to avoid it would be to remain silent, and silence on this matter would be a grave sin. 
Christians everywhere should be concerned about biblical inerrancy. The least they should do is decide whether they believe it or not and then chart a course of action to follow up their choice. I hope that those who favor biblical inerrancy will make it known in every way possible and exert all the pressure they can bring to to bear to see that the churches, institutions, and groups that they have interest in are committed to this viewpoint. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. God said it. That settles it. Amen? Amen. Now, many times we will say, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. But if God said it, that settles it whether or not we believe it. Martin Luther was committed to the inerrancy of the word of God. In fact, he said this. This I have learned to do, to hold only those books which are called the Holy Scripture in such honor that I finally believe that not one of the holy writers ever erred. Martin Luther also said this. The Bible is alive. It speaks to me. It has feet. It runs after me. It has hands. It lays hold on me. Does the Bible do that to you? It is indeed the word of God. And then he said, I'll trust in God's unchanging word till soul and body sever. For though all things shall pass away, his word shall stand forever. Amen? The word of God is indeed the foundation for our And if we cannot stand on the word of God, then we have nothing else to stand on. And so that begins this essential understanding of what God has given to us. But in recognizing an essential understanding of the word of God, it's also to understand how God has provided for us a way To have a relationship with him. And that's called the gospel. The gospel is by grace alone, faith alone, in Christ alone. And we are going to celebrate that gospel in a very special way. But I I want you to understand a couple of things about the gospel. First of all, salvation. Understand that salvation, having a right relationship with God, is by grace alone, faith alone, in Christ alone. Amen? I also want you to understand something about justification. Justification is God's declaration of righteousness through his son, and it is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Amen? Martin Luther said this, the law is for the proud and the gospel for the brokenhearted. He also said, The law proves to us that we cannot stand before God in our own righteousness. And that drives us to the gospel. And it is the gospel. I must listen to the gospel. It tells me not what I must do, 
but what Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has done for me. Grace alone, faith alone, in Christ alone. Now we're going to look at each of those truths individually, but I wanted you to put them together as it forms the gospel, a right relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. It is not what I must do. It's what Christ has done for me. After all he's done for me, after all he's done for me, how can I do less than give him my best and live for him completely? After all he's done for me. But I want you to notice that that is after we realize what he has done for us. That's not what we do to have a right relationship with him. Grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Now, we need to define grace. Grace is God giving to you and to me what we do not deserve. Titus chapter 2 verse 11 says, For the grace of God that brings salvation hath appeared to all men. Jesus came from the Father, according to John chapter 1, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So we need to understand that salvation is granted solely on the basis of God's grace. It is therefore wholly unmerited. You and I cannot do anything to merit a relationship with God. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy, God not giving us what we do deserve, He has saved us and as was quoted earlier it's by grace we are saved through faith not of ourselves it is a gift of god not of works lest any man should boast so the first pillar of the gospel is that it is of the grace of god that provided for us salvation we could not deserve it. We could not earn it. We could not merit it. I was asked this morning by someone, does money buy happiness? No. Can money buy good health? No. And money cannot buy salvation. Works cannot buy salvation. It is solely based on the grace of God where God sent his son into the world not to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. Martin Luther said this about grace. A man must completely despair of himself in order to become fit to obtain the grace of God. 
He also said, the most damnable and pernicious heresy that has ever plagued the mind of men was the idea that somehow we could make man himself, make himself good enough to deserve to live with an all-holy God. Grace, grace. God's grace. Amen? Grace. <laughs> Soak in this, will you? Grace that is greater than all our sin. And how did Luther come to understand that? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And there is absolutely nothing that you nor I can do to merit a relationship with God. The only way that could happen is for God to send his grace gift, his love gift, his only begotten son into the world to pay your price, to pay my price. It is God's grace that makes all the difference in our lives. But how do we receive God's grace? The next pillar only through faith. Galatians 2.16 And not by the works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. You know, the Bible has a lot to say about faith. The Bible says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Salvation is received by faith. It is not conditioned in any way on the performance of good works. Faith. Many times we will use the acrostic. F-A-I-T-H. Forsaking all I trust him. And faith is the assurance of belief. Now, it's not a blind belief. It's not a trust in something that we hope may happen. It is the assurance that we can understand God's word and solidly stand on God's word. Now, the Bible says we walk by faith, not by sight. And the Bible says if we just had to, the faith of a mustard seed, we could say to that mountain, remove and be cast into the sea and it'd be done. How many of you have moved any mountains recently? Maybe it's we don't have enough assurance in the one that we're trusting to accomplish his work. The gospel. For by grace are we saved through faith. But Martin Luther also understood this. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Now do you see the connection? 
Grace, God giving to you and to me what we do not deserve. Unmerited favor, faith, we trusting in that which God has given to us. Confidence that our God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above what we would ever ask or think. Amen? That ought to encourage us and help us. As we walk this journey as elect exiles in Christ. Martin Luther said this. At last, meditating day and night by the mercy of God, I began to understand that the righteousness of God is that through which the righteous live by a gift of God, namely by Here I felt as if I were entirely born again and had entered paradise. Paradise itself through the gates that had been flung open. God has given to you and to me a gift called faith. And that is trusting him. Assured that he is able to accomplish his word. That's the kind of God we have. And that is foundational in the gospel. Grace, through faith, we could do nothing but receive God's gift and claim it in great assurance that God will accomplish what he said he would accomplish. And I need to tell you that this is difficult for some folks. You and I are used to accomplishing that which we set out to do by our own hands, with our own energies, with an understanding that when the going gets tough, the tough get going. But salvation is a completed act of God. When God sent his son into the world, not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might have life. Have you trusted Christ as personal Savior? Have you believed on the name of the Son of God and been saved? Have you just allowed God to accomplish and give you his gift of salvation? That's faith. And that's the only way we get to God. That's the only way we can have a relationship with this sovereign, holy creator who loved us so much that he sent his son to die for us. Faith, forsaking all, <laughs> I trust him. And why do we trust him? Because of his son, Jesus Christ. Wasn't the offering of bulls and goats. It wasn't those sacrifices on the altar. It was the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. Grace alone, faith alone in Christ. Acts 4, 10 through 12. Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, 
by him, this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Paul wrote to Timothy, for there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man. Christ, Jesus. You see, Christ alone. And the reality is, is that Jesus is the only mediator between God and man. Sacred dotalism, how you like that word? Yeah, huh? Aren't you impressed that I could pronounce it? I hope I got the emphasis on the right syllable. Sacred dotalism, the view that a special class of human priests is necessary for legitimate worship, is rejected. Why? Because it is only through the blood of Jesus Christ that you and I have any hope of a personal relationship with God. Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, 1 Corinthians 15. And that he was buried and that he rose again according to the scriptures. Luther discovered that. In fact, he said, our works do not generate righteousness. Rather, our righteousness in Christ generates our works. Now, earlier, Esther read Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. You know what verse 10 says? You do, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. It's not by our works that we are saved, but it's because we are saved, we have good works. And all is in Christ Luther said, what is it about your own miserable works and doings that you think you could please God more than the sacrifice of his own son? <laughs> miserable works and doings. And then he said, so when the devil throws your sins in your face and declares that you deserve death and hell, Tell him this, I admit that I deserve death and hell. What of it? For I know one who suffered and made satisfaction on my behalf. His name is Jesus Christ, Son of God. And where he is there, I shall be also. A week ago. I was standing in line outside of a building waiting for an office to open up. It was a government office. I had a 9 o'clock appointment, and I was told by the letter I received that I needed to be there 15 minutes ahead of my 9 o'clock appointment. They didn't open the door till 9 o'clock. But I'm not one to stand quietly in line. just who I am. 
And I... <laughs> And as I was talking to, to, to somebody in, in line, I, I, I mentioned something that I had done that wasn't particularly right. And they said to me, you were guilty as hell, weren't you? Now, it took me back a bit, but as I thought about it, I was. I absolutely was. And I said to him, you know, you're right. And I have no way to get to heaven because I am guilty except through God's son who was not guilty who paid a price that I might have everlasting life and the gal in front of me said I don't want to hear anything about religion okay the reality is you and I have done nothing to deserve anything. It's all about who Jesus Christ is. And he is the one who completes the gospel. Grace alone, faith alone, in Christ And the whole purpose of this is so that we can bring glory to God. Isaiah chapter 42 verse 8 says this. I am the Lord. That is my name. My glory I give to no other nor my praise to carved idols. Whether therefore we eat or drink or whatsoever we do, do all to the glory of God. And our salvation is the glory of God. The foundation of the word of God is to the glory of God. And all that we are is to God's glory. Amen? And it's the glory of God alone. You know when you and I get into trouble? You and I get into trouble when we put ourselves before the glory of God. And we say, I didn't get what I deserved. I didn't get what I was promised. I didn't get what I think I ought to have. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about God. Amen? And no matter what I do, eating, drinking, or anything else, the glory of God. First Peter reminds us of this truth. In fact, we have studied it together. And we have discovered that it is God's glory that is paramount in everything in our lives. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. And all God's people said, Amen. Martin Luther said this, a dairymaid can milk cows to the glory of God. Amen? Amen? And why is that to be a reflection in our lives? Because you and I here down on planet Earth are to reflect the majesty and wonder of heaven. Revelation chapter 4. And the four living creatures... Each of them with six wings are full of eyes all around and within. 
and day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Martin Luther paid a price for his stand. He was branded as a heretic and an outlaw. He was wanted dead or alive. A price was placed on his head. For his own good, he was kidnapped by friends who, who took him to Warburg Castle, and it was there that he translated the Bible into German so that the people could have God's word in their hands. And it was also there that he wrote the wonderful truths of the faith in the form of 40-plus hymns. Martin Luther said this, I have held many things in my hands, and I have lost them all. But whatever I have placed in God's hands, that I still possess. Scripture alone gives to us the gospel, which is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, which brings us to the honor and glory and worship of our God in every aspect of our lives. The five truths that provide for us a foundation can be boiled down to three pillars. Number one, the Bible is the Word of God. Amen? Salvation, the gospel, is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And it's all about God's glory. God deserves and should receive all the glory Folks, these are non-negotiable. Martin Luther nailed points of debate on a church door 500 years ago. Because he had studied the Word of God and he thought... Word of God clearly outlined what was necessary for our relationship. It cost him dearly. And he said this, I cannot and will not recant anything, for to go against conscience is neither right nor safe. Here I stand, I can do no other, so help me God, amen. Amen. 
here we stand. We can do nothing else. So help us, God.